Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Dom Alessio. And this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning and stories behind each song. In this episode, Polish Club welcomes you to Iguana, the much-awaited second album from the Sydney rock duo. Aware of the fabled sophomore slump, John Henry and Novak tested the breaking points of their musical and creative abilities as much as they did themselves. With the results showing that the hard work was very clearly worth it, the band has brought into the world an evolved sound, both expansive and adventurous, and of course, heaps fun. Here's Polish Club with Iguana. Hi, I'm Novak. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, JH. And we, together, are Polish Club, a uh, rock band from band, Sydney, Australia. Yeah. We're going to take you through a track-by-track of our sophomore album called Iguana, which is out June 7 or out now, depending on when this podcast comes out. We started writing it immediately after we released uh, like a um, in-between EP, Okie Dokie, still available yeah. now. Um, if you want to listen to it, hasn't been deleted off the internet yet. I don't believe it has. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we went straight into the studio to write, and then wrote some more, then recorded demos, then tracked yeah. some stuff, then threw that away, and then wrote some more, recorded. De- Fuck, I mean, yeah, we did a lot of traveling in 2018, which kind of slowed it down. But I feel like we. I feel like we really started working on it hardcore middle of 2018. We had like three different recording sessions where we actually tracked song four, three? I think four, yeah. We did some up at the Grove in the Central Coast. We went there and stayed there for a week, lost our yeah. minds a little bit, had a lot of pizza, watched some NRL. That is literally the the moment where we had our first single, Clarity, right? Yeah. We tracked that along with... Everything was going well. It was going great. We tracked it with another song that we thought was going to be on the album. Spoiler alert, it's not on the album. 
that was like what four days at the Grove, and then we did another week. Yeah. Months after that, we went to Germany. Mm, back to the Grove. Yeah, we went to Germany twice. Twice. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we went. We went to Europe. Pl- uh, played. Came back. Came back with no money. Spent the rest a, of our money. We rode a bit for a couple of weeks, and then got another tour in Germany. Went to back oh, to Germany, yeah. and then came, uh, came back, and then tried to record again. I blew all our money on a session at the Grove. But that no, which, but we used quite a lot of that. Yeah, see, this is like yeah. the peaks and the troughs thing. At the end of that, we're at some point it was like, "Fuck, we have nothing. We got a single that's out already that people, I think, like, which is great." but we have nothing <laughs> yeah. else. And people go, can't wait for the album. What does it sound like? Yeah, we recorded, I think the second Grove session, we, we recorded like 10 mm. or eight songs. Mm. And then at the end of that, like our A&R and management were just like, there's no there's no other second single here. And oh my that God. was- Oh God, I'm getting like PTSD. <laughs> yeah. that, that actually happened in this uh, building. Right? Yeah. That was nice. And uh, board, uh, we we walked in like strutted in to yeah. Wait till you hear these eight ho- like, eight tracks. Throw the fucking USB or whatever <laughs> on the desk. You go there. You put that in your yeah. gob, and it's and uh, it, it was just lukewarm reception. And then since then, and and that was kind of like a difficult thing because from there we were just focusing on trying to write singles, which was is not a way we usually write. Kind of. It's not a way anyone should write unless you are just recording a single and not, mm. which I think that's why we found ourselves in those circumstances because everyone around bands now or artists, usually the plan is for like poppier acts is to just drop singles, single, single, mm. single. Like, you know, if you're the fucking weekend or whatever, he doesn't have to do an album. He'll just do singles until he dies. But for us we're like we have to have an album at the end of this so like trying to hone in on one song that is i don't know what better or more consumable than the rest of it is just so counterproductive Throughout the whole process and throughout our entire career in terms of like uh, creative output, the one constant has been Wade Kieran or Big Sexy. Or Uncle Wade. Uncle Wade. Anyway, he's multi-leveled. Uh, he did our first album and our probably some demos before the album. He did a bunch of demos. He produced entirely the first album. So we, we came back to what we were comfortable with and it was Wade and the same thing happened this time. And we tried to, yeah. we got the first two singles, Clarity and We Don't Care, mixed by John Congleton in the States. He's great. And he kind of informed how the rest of it was mixed, but also because by the time we'd gotten all our shit together, we were super pressed for time and it made more sense to use Wade to mix the rest yeah. of it. But I think you got ahead of yourself there. I think Wade did produce and mixed the first album, and this time he just he. I think we decided that we'd get someone else to mix it. We being Yumi and him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, so he produced and engineered. He was going to produce and engineer it, and then John got John Congleton to like to do the 
first two songs, but then yeah, we were like, we really, because we were trying to find a second single, like we got delayed a little bit, and he could didn't have time, so we had to like keep it. But I think away. like also, uh, he felt too close to it, and like not able to do something different or kind of see from the outside what could be the possibilities in terms of mixing. But having the two first singles go to someone else and like totally, you know, go against the grain of what his tendencies would be kind of informed him in a way that would allow him to mix the rest of them and still be us, but have it be different. So I, I think yeah. it made sense to kind of split the duties that yeah. time. I guess like all the songs were informed by um, a period of us going through personal ups and downs, mostly downs, all three of us actually. And that often ends up with like going out and drinking or like being anxious. And But it's like all of those emotions can kind of uh, be seen as a microcosm uh, or rather the like a night out on the town doing stupid shit and like how thinking about how you felt back when you were like a young kid and doing all that stuff is kind of a microcosm for all the stuff that came with what we were going through at the time i don't know it's more it's i thought the concept was like 20 2006 was the concept yeah but my take on that yes you're right but my take on that is that concept of 2006 like all of the tent poles and pillars of what you feel in that like whatever that experience you're being nostalgic about is exactly the same feelings you're still feeling now like the the moving parts of it like going to iguana and like yeah, which is smashing the- heaps of mdma or whatever it's like well those somewhat <laughs> have changed <laughs> but like the emotional response to things are still in your brain i still go through all that stuff so i think it's like kind of this mix of nostalgia for that but also like uh acknowledgement that it's like oh yeah shit's kind of the same we just don't have anywhere to go out and drink anymore <laughs> This was kind of on our on that little period where we were just trying desperately to get a second single done. We wrote a song that sounded like Robin. We wrote a song that sounded oh, yeah. like we, we literally wrote like ten songs in a different genre. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> and, and then we to... settled on oh, we'll just write a rock song. <laughs> no, no, we did the ten songs in a different genre, and then we sent them to our like our people, and they were like, uh, that like. Like that one song is like middle of the road. Every single other one is just shit. 
You don't care one. is the first track on the album. There's cowbell in this song, but it's apparently it's Wade um, hitting a vase, like a vase. It's an upside down copper vase with um, like sparkle. party sparkle. Yeah, like a little sparkle, just like, and then just like marked really closely and, and literal, cranked. literal <laughs> thigh slap. Oh uh, yeah, thigh slap. Oh my god, that was a day. We were trying to avoid what felt like the easy choice in like just soaring choruses, like three chord, um, just really kind of catchy, simple, anthemic stuff. But it's like, I guess you realize if you do it right, it works. And that's a lot easier said than done. And I guess that's kind of playing to our strengths more. You really were fighting against naming a song after the <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you want to call it? Um, oh, it's cool. It's cool. I still think yeah. that's a good name. I think it's a fine name. I something about me always uh, really got a bit giddy when um, albums had a, a title track. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's okay. I think sure. especially because like it it it's not just a super random title track. It kind of fit in contextually and. It mentions it once in the song. It's not like too on the nose. I don't know. I like this song. I counted today seven or eight guitars layered on top of each other at the end there which is uh, um, yeah, which is kind of a theme of this album yeah <laughs> just like more i don't what's it missing i just, just put more guitar, put guitar on there yep. it's great i love it well it, we got a slide can we slide the yeah. guitar <laughs> somewhere <laughs> You recorded yeah. the uh, ambience, the, yeah, the I, crossing uh, crosswalk signal. I'm kind of just outside of the studio. I was obsessed with like the ambient thing. There's a, and there's a few more times on the album where there's like just and they're just iPhone recordings. And I think he pitched. Did he pitch the beep to the yeah key? I think it's way higher in real life. And like but it made still the, sounds like super familiar, which is weird. Yeah, and then made it the temp made it the right tempo. Yeah. He slowed um, it or sped it up, I think. So it's like on the four-four yeah. beat. Um, I guess we kind of started putting all the ambient stuff in after we kind of decided on the name mm. Iguana, which is kind of like talks about, which is named after this shitty bar that we used to go to like really late at night in Sydney mm. in Kings Cross. 
Um, but it was like the place where you used to go just like off your head and like the sun would be almost coming up and they just, just let you in there. Like they just let anyone in there, no matter what state. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah, so like, and yeah, as, as we go through the album, there'll be there's other kind of little ambient things that are recorded around Sydney, most at all at nighttime. And also, the song ends with me walking up the stairs. Uh, um, I can't remember where I did that. Maybe at my at work, probably. Yeah, at work. Beautiful. <laughs> Track three, uh, Goddamn. It's a f- I, I think it's a really important song to have on the album because it's like just straight up fun and not at all in a dark way. Mm. Um, in terms of like the feel of it and the instrumentation, um, which we don't often do, I think. Mm. Um, which is great because, I, I don't know, it's just fun to be fun sometimes and not be too serious. This one, this one, kind of just snuck on the album as well. It just like it kind of like we're like nah, and then we're like all right, yeah, and then like kind of like tuck it in. The, we put it at the end, and then like, right at the last minute, everyone's like, oh no, that's actually pretty good. Just put it up the front. We went away from like fast-paced punky stuff and soul stuff where there's like full chords and like a, a real straight beat that carries it. Um, you have to add more to it because the stuff that we're doing is a bit more part-based, like a bit more lead-based sometimes. Mm. There's only one note on the guitar for the chorus of this, so it kind of necessitates that extra thing to make it a bit more catchy and a bit more full. So, I mean, knowing that we would tour this with Wade as a third player uh, meant that we're like, fuck it, we can we can just add stuff and then work it out afterwards. And fortunately, that kind of mm. makes sense now because we have the... You know the extra hands to do it live. All the song, all these songs are still written just two piece, like mm. with a guitar and drums. And we I, just, I think, because we had more time in the studio as well, we we had time to play around with some extra shit. Mm. But I also think the world that the album sits in lends itself to having stuff like synth, and yeah. like cheesy samples or whatnot. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what made me comfortable with the kind of 2006 concept thing is mm. each song kind of, all the songs kind of fit or kind of feel inspired by something that we were, like stuff we were listening to back then and kind of that 
was really influential for our music tastes as well. I guess. Stuff that we were listening to back then. Stuff that we were both listening to back then and yeah. stuff that I'm still listening to today. <laughs> yeah, and, and going, yeah. no, they're still making music, man. It's good. And Novak still listens to Maximo Park, everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They'll never die. I don't know why why this happened, but it's probably the song that we really worked most on ever. Like, there's so many different demos that we were trying. I guess maybe because I was just like freaking out and I wanted it to be. No, I think because there's just heaps of moving parts to it that yeah. we haven't worked with before, and like the beat was a bit more complicated mm. and like, or not even comp, but like thought through. Yeah, and we tracked it to. Click track as well, which we mm. didn't use click track for any of the first album. But then it meant we could add all this stuff yeah. like congas and stuff. Yeah. Which is hilarious. And it's the first track that we have like that bullshit ambience stuff on. Oh yeah, there's ambience in it as well. Yeah, ambience. Interestingly, the pre chorus and the chorus were kind of Two chorus ideas. Yeah, we just said put them both in. But well, no, I think Wade. Us. I think Wade was like, I think we tried. No, would- you know what happened? Um, Wade fucked up and nudged the um, the pre-chorus. I'm trying to think if it's the pre-chorus or the chorus. I think it's the pre-chorus. He nudged it backwards. Yeah, it sat on a different beat. And it sat on, like, the one instead of the two or the yeah. three or something, and it, like, made it way better. Yeah. And, and that, then we were like, that and turned then, into a pre-chorus. Yeah, and then he was like, just use, and then just use that other chorus idea yeah. as the chorus bit. Which I think came about was someone was just like, just scream. Mm-hmm. Just, just fucking scream. It yeah, it's interesting how that happens. I guess like the thing is we had a rule where we didn't have we said no acoustic guitars ever and there's mm. a prominent one in this. Yeah. Break apart. I think that whole theme of like we're taking references from when we we're young and it allows us to use all that stuff that we haven't used before and also because we're not like a two-piece anymore we can do that stuff and get away with it I might stay forever I may break your heart I could stay or I could break it apart break it apart I think the whole like lyrically a lot of the album is just being honest and not trying to be positive or negative negative about it it's just kind of like being self-aware of your tendencies and um 
I think like being recently single when we were writing some of it, um, it's kind of just being at peace with like your pros and cons and being like, well, it may be great, it may be bad, but um, you know, it's kind of like a take it or leave it thing. This one was it's hard because it's the second album and and it's like a bit of a crossroads thing. But now I feel like free, free to do anything now. In a yeah, weird, in a weird I think way. it's like a reset. It's got the vibraphone on it. Is that yeah? Funny? Which I was like, that, I picked it up one day. Um, I was asleep on the couch. I think you were asleep on the couch. I picked it up as a joke. It was on. It was like two it. in the morning or something. Yeah, and then Wade's like, "No, we'll do it." And so he started yeah. tracking it, and then I had to actually learn it on the vibraphone, which is. But yeah, that was that was that took a while. That was fun to do at two a.m. with everyone falling asleep. <laughs> but I think it's a nice, it's like a, you're passed out in bed, uh, there's crickets at the end of it. Oh, yeah, and that was um, another, amb- <laughs> another ambient thing. Mm, and you get to the end of it and like, everyone's like, oh, fuck, it's like, the whole album's like set at night. Boom. That's in the 2006. Twist. That's the twist at the end, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, crickets, 2006, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's uh, our album. Yeah, cool. Polish Club's new album, Iguana, is out now. For more, head to polishclub.co. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was recorded and edited by the team at Forbes Street Studios in Woolloomooloo. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com.